from Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold has brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He bucketed with him and began to choke him. Pay back that you own me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to him to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay, back, pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man threw into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw that had what, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that you debt of yours because you begged to me. Shouldn't you have, you have had mercy of your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all they owe, all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forget the brother, your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. So. Um for those of you with long memories, you may um, remember, as I do, that back in 1989, the mortgage rate stood at 15%. 15%. One day that year, I attended a breakfast for business people. Each guest was given three minutes to describe their business, and round the little table we went, blah, 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 blah. And suddenly, a person who was speaking, describing their business, had everybody paying rapt attention. Toast balanced in midair. The speaker was a mortgage broker, and he said that he could arrange for pretty much all of us to get a better deal. We were all paying attention. Everybody reached for one of his business cards. You know, it can be hard to find a topic that grabs everyone's attention. But Peter, in our Bible story, did exactly that. It was like those other times in the gospel when people asked Jesus 
a really good question. What makes life worthwhile? Who is the greatest? Who is to blame? And here, Peter asked, how many times should we forgive when somebody sins against us? When somebody abuses us or hurts us or treats us badly? We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. We've been ridiculed, perhaps, as a child by a teacher. We've been bashed by a demeaning boss. We've been cheated by somebody who said they loved us. We've been imprisoned by regime. People represent all those kind of things in a million more ways in which this question from Peter touches the quick. What should I do when someone sins against me? And Peter, of course, raises the stakes here by asking, how many times should I forgive? What will Jesus say? You see, justice answers that punishment must match the crime. Sociology curbs deviance to protect community life. Parents point to the naughty step. So the little bruiser learns his manners. What will Jesus say? I imagine the question hung in the air for a moment as everyone waited to hear what the teacher would answer. How many times should I forgive? And as so often, Jesus responded with a story. It's a story about loan repayments, about debt, about economic policy. Why answer a question about sin with a story about debt? Being hurt is like an unpaid debt. You lend your favorite book to somebody and it's not returned. You're owed respect at work and don't get it. Your husband promised to love you forever, and that debt remains outstanding. The government should treat you properly, and you're still waiting. A scooter rider on the pavement knocks you down, and the debt of politeness is unpaid. How do we respond to this invitation? Before we get into the plot line, of the story that Jesus told, I want to pick out three images that Jesus used to describe the consequences of unpaid debt. Here's the first. Prison. Both these servants in this story had unpaid debts that landed them in prison. And I don't know about you, but for me, Refusing to forgive is like being in prison. I can't enjoy life when I'm caught up in that unforgiveness, when I'm trapped in unforgiveness. Anger against the person who's hurt me. It's like a prison wall, and I'm unable to forgive. I'm unable to experience joy. I'm constantly surrounded by that problem 
refusing to forgive is like being in prison. Yes? It's what it feels like. Secondly, the second image in this story is choking. The second servant was grabbed by the throat and choked. When someone has you by the throat, it's hard to think of anything else. All you can think of is those thumbs on your windpipe and the pain in your chest. The Bible uses this image of choking several times to show how sin and the cares of life, and in this case, unforgiveness, can choke the life out of us. Have you ever been in that place with unforgiveness? Every conversation circles back to the person who's wronged you. Every waking thought is preoccupied with the pain you feel, the injustice and unfairness of it all. It's hard to pray. It's hard to breathe the breath of the Spirit when you're choked by unforgiveness. Life shrinks down to this one thing that you can't forgive, can't let go of. Outstanding debt, unforgiveness, is like being choked. Imprisonment, choking, and thirdly, this image that Jesus uses, that outstanding debt is like torture. You see, you never really know when the pain from the past will come back and hurt you again. I know someone who was not forgiven, and that sharp pain returns and tortures him again, even 50 years after the sin. That person now lives with fear that people and events today will inflict new wounds. That person is tortured by unforgiveness. This is the picture language which Jesus uses in this parable. Unforgiveness imprisons us, chokes the life out of us, and comes back to torture us. Jolly, isn't it? But this is the experience that Jesus is talking about. Now we can get to the plot line of this story and follow the events in this story that Jesus told. Remember, this story is in answer to Peter's great question. How often should I forgive the person who sins against me? So the story, first of all, an unpayable debt. The servant owed 10,000 talents of gold. Now, you might need to translate that. People have had various goes. Basically, what he's talking about here is more money than you would earn in several lifetimes of earning. This is an unpayable debt. Think Jeff Bezos. This is lots of money here. This is something which is a kind of impossibly large sum. How had he accumulated such debt? 
We don't know. We're not told in this story, but surely this is a lifestyle thing. I can't imagine that he'd gone to the king and said, lend me 10,000 talents in one hit. Maybe he ran a Ponzi scheme. Maybe he bought property. Maybe he worked as a loan shark or a confidence trickster. He got away with it time and time and time again until he'd racked up an unpayable debt. And as with financial debt, so with moral debt. You see, we owe God our life, dedicated to moral living, dedicated to worship and generosity. And yet, we've failed to pay what we owe through distractions, through revenge, through theft, through misuse of what we've been given, each day we add to our debt. And there is no way we can clear that debt we owe to God ourselves. This is an unpayable debt that we owe to God. And the matter came to a head in a day of reckoning. The king set a day to settle the account it's not a day for hopes and aspirations. It's a day to pay. I don't know whether you've ever felt like this. It's happening to you. The Holy Spirit of God comes to you, shows you your debt, helps you to see the size of the bill. We realize deep inside our heart our sinfulness. We realize how we've failed, how we've let God down, how we've hurt other people. And this can happen through circumstances, as God uses events as his servants to bring us into that judgment hall. In Bible language, this is when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I want to separate that from something we sometimes do to ourselves when our own heart condemns us, and also to separate it from those moments when the devil tries to drag us down. We need to distinguish those. So what are the signs that God is at work bringing us into his judgment hall? I think the Holy Spirit brings clear conviction of sin, while the devil brings vague condemnation. God points out exactly what it is you need to ask forgiveness for. So if you feel a vague, generalized sense of wretchedness, do you ever feel that? Just me? Then that's condemnation. And secondly, the devil makes you feel useless and helpless. But if you're moved and motivated and energized, to, to confess your sin, to seek forgiveness, and to move forward, then that's a sign that it's God at work calling you to settle accounts. God has appointed a moment of reckoning. How does the servant respond? Well, that first servant tried to respond to the king's demand with a, a useless effort. You know that time when you're trying to get out of it? How, I just... <laughs> you know that moment when you're seeking that 
excuse, that explanation. You're trying to, to find a way. Only be patient with me and I'll pay it all back. How much? 10,000 talents of gold? Yeah, I'll pay it all back. I'm sure you could design a debt recovery plan. Perhaps he had invested in property and needed time to sell and then the money would be available. Perhaps he'd, he was a loan shark and all he had to do, he'd passed on some of the money, hadn't he, to, to, to that other servant. Perhaps he just had to call in the debt and he could repay the king. Or perhaps he was just playing for time. If he could get the king off his back for a moment, then he'd, he'd work something out. It's so easy to picture him on his knees, begging for mercy, making these useless, unrealistic, ridiculous offers. But actually, he's in serious trouble. Unforgiveness sends me down the same path. I fantasize about ways to get even. I try to defend myself. I feel sorry for myself. I make unrealistic empty plans and promises. It's pretty pathetic, really. And in reply to these useless pleas, the king does more than he could ask or even imagine. The whole debt is cancelled. The servant is set free. The debts he's accumulated over a lifestyle, over a whole life's journey, are cleared completely. This is a picture of forgiveness by God, our King. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to clear our debt, to cancel our sin, to bring us complete forgiveness. Instead of being sent to prison, he is set free. The prison walls are gone. Are they out? They're out. There are no limits to what life can now become. Instead of dragging his wife and children down into the prison cell with him, they're free too. There's a whole new future here. Instead of being choked, he can breathe. This freedom expands his lungs and his vision. He can see earth and heaven beyond that sin. Forgiveness brings freedom. Instead of being tortured by guilt and anger at how he'd been treated in the past, in the future, he's free to forgive others, free to bless people, free to live the life that God has given him. What an amazing gift. What an immeasurable generosity. Wouldn't it be great if that was the end of the parable? As he goes off into the sunset, this wonderful opportunity, this happy ending, this bright future. But the story goes on and Jesus twists the tail and leaves us not so much with a blessing as with a warning. We must travel with him. The first servant in this parable leaves the king's judgment hall 
and sets off through the streets. There, he spots a fellow servant who owes him just a few pounds. He grabs him by the throat and demands instant payment. When this second servant checks his pockets and admits he doesn't have the money on him, he is thrown into prison. You see, that first servant had been living a kind of double life for so long that even the astonishing generosity of the king doesn't change his behavior. He'd kept no record of the sums that he'd borrowed, but he had in forensic detail at the top of his mind, ready to use the money he is owed. He knew exactly what he'd lent, even though he hadn't kept count of what he'd borrowed. He received mercy and then was unmerciful. This is a pattern for him. He was unable to pay and yet offered to do so. He received calm, measured judgment. And he responded with impulsive violence. He's given his own freedom and then throttled and imprisoned his colleague. It's just like singing in church and yelling at the kids all afternoon, isn't it? Jesus challenges with this story. And bystanders have seen it all. They're outraged at what they see and they report it back to the king. The unmerciful servant is recalled into the judgment hall. He has been given, forgiven so much and he, by comparison, has so little to forgive. This unforgiveness in my life, in the servant's life, perhaps in your life, this unforgiveness is monstrous. How could he insist on repayment when the king had dealt so generously with him? Yet he did hold on to unforgiveness. And in so doing, he let go of everything that he'd been given. His ridiculous refusal to forgive. His ridiculous refusal to forgive his neighbor put him back behind bars. So Peter asked, how many times should I forgive the person who sins against me? The answer is not three or seven or 77 or seven times 70, 490. The answer is stop counting. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And it's when we understand the immeasurable gift of God's forgiveness for us, we find it easier to forgive those who offend us when we realize that we have been forgiven so much it is easier to set others free may god help us amen